book of Jude. This is week four. Um, and God has been incredibly kind to us through this book, just reminding us um, of his commitment to us as a church. Um, as we've looked at this church that was undergoing significant trial and difficulty, uh, the, the major goal and theme of this book is to show that that really kept by God's love, the people of God are um, really in a real way unbreakable when it comes to the things that they are going to go through. And that's not because of who they are, but it's because of God's commitment to them. And today uh, we're going to continue. We're going to look at part two of how we keep ourselves in the love of God. And to do that, um, we're going to take just a moment to watch one of the most popular commercials from the Super Bowl this year. So I know that um, many of you may have already forgotten the game, but the commercials are still with us. So, Eric, if you could play that for us. Back to 56 pass. I wasn't prepared to translate that. That's that right. little mark with the A and then the ring around it. At? See, that's what I said. Um, Kay said she thought it was about. Yeah. But I've never heard around it. I've never heard it about. said. About. I don't want to see the mark. There it is. <laughs> At amfeedback.com. I mean... What, what do you is say internet anyway? What do you write to it like mail? Here's Allison. Can you explain what internet is? See, that's what I said. What do you mean there's nothing under the hood? Katie said she thought this was a car. Yeah. And it's built using wind? Like from a windmill? Or a fan? Or a turbine? Or a fan vine? Wow. I mean, what is I3 anyway? Allison, can you explain what I3 is? The all-electric BMW i3, built in a wind-powered factory with the strength of carbon fiber and BMW performance. Come on, loosen up, Gumbo. Can you twerk? Maybe. All right. I enjoy that commercial for a couple reasons. Uh, like the throwback with Katie Couric's hair. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, but you may not have been around at that time. Uh, 1994 is a special year to me. That's the year I graduated from high school. So I kind of got to witness the overlap of the ages there between like pre-internet and now the world that's dominated by the internet. You may not remember that time in particular, but um, right now it's a, it, it would be difficult to imagine a world without the internet, right? I mean, it is uh, almost omnipresent. Uh, I think statistics say that 91% of Americans have a cell phone and most of those are smartphones. I mean, I mean, the Internet is how we live life now. It's how we pay our bills, right? It's all of our social media is tied into it. I mean, if we didn't have the Internet, uh, the social life of teenagers would cease to exist as we know it. And so the, the very space-time continuum would tend to melt down apart from the Internet. So... The idea um, of looking at and explaining what the Internet is at this point in time seems redundant. It's self-evident. It's everywhere. We all know about the Internet. And um, this morning, we're going to look at the topic of praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, it's just four words uh, in the English uh, that we're going to look at. But to the original readers, they didn't need a lot of explanation, right? It was self-evident, just like the Internet is for us today. But because of time, because of distance, because of abuses in many cases, 
the idea of praying in the Holy Spirit is a foreign concept to us. And so what we're looking to do this morning is to examine what God has for us and specifically how praying in the Holy Spirit ties us and binds us to keeping ourselves in the love of God. And so this morning we're going to talk about prayer. And there's no topic probably um, maybe outside of finances that, that we could talk about as a local church where people feel more insecure where they feel more inadequate or tended to live by their performance than in the area of prayer. And so this morning, my desire is for us to be able to come alive to what Jude is talking about. That, that prayer in the Holy Spirit is the vital link between experiencing the love of God and the love of God just being an abstract concept. That we are meant to be brought into this vital life and experience of the love of God. And none of those things can happen apart from praying in the Holy Spirit. So we want to look at that. Now, uh, all of us can grow in the area of prayer. But my desire this morning as we look at this is not to kind of just try to take in the whole picture. But to identify for yourself, like... Like, what does it look like for me to take the next step in prayer? Like, where is God beckoning me to to come closer? Where are there some lies maybe that I have misunderstood about the purpose and really the priority of prayer? And how can um, this passage in particular help us? And so we're going to look at all of that as we continue to look at the same two verses from last week. Jude, verses 20 and 21. So if you... Have your Bibles open and you are able. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? Verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, right now, so much we want to encounter you. You're the reason that we're here You're the reason that we were created. I pray that you would, by the power of your spirit, awaken us to the reason that we're on this planet. I pray that by the power of the spirit that you would shine your love fresh in our hearts in such a way that we would see Jesus more clearly. That our worship would not only be um, in our minds and in our hearts, but would be with our lives. I pray that you would continue to remind us of how much that we're loved. And by reminding us how much we're loved, that we would see our lives transformed. And more than that, that we would have a passion to see your love go out into the world. Father, to do that, we need you to open our eyes. It's natural for us in these moments to be distracted, to be burdened, to be tired. I pray that you would help us to pay careful attention to your word. 
I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word. Lord, please perform this word in our lives, Lord, so that we know you more. To do that, I need your help. So I pray that you would fill me with the power of your spirit to proclaim this word with accuracy and with clarity and with boldness, with compassion. I pray that you would do all of these things and more for the sake of the fame of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So as we look at these verses, what we're looking at, you can look back to verse 17. There is a contrast going on between what we looked at a few weeks ago in verses 3 through 16. And then verse 17, there is a decided contrast happening. Um, A contrast between this group of people that had infiltrated the church These were people that looked like Christians on the outside, right? They looked like Christians. They talked like Christians. But they were just paying lip service to the message of the gospel, in particular to the message of grace. And the way that they were living their lives was actually undoing the message of grace. So there's a contrast between how that they lived and the way that Jude is commending for this local church to live. Right? There's a contrast between life and death. There's a, a contrast between these self-righteous, proud, independent people who were making up their own rules and their own ethics and, and the way that the Spirit really is to produce life and hope and health and peace among the people of God. So there's this, this stark contrast that is Happening. There's a contrast between what we see in verse 20 being built up and the divisions that were happening in and among these people that had infiltrated the church. There is a contrast. Look at verse 19. It says, It is these people who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. So this is a contrast between people that are devoid of the spirit and then the people of God that are to build themselves up by praying in the Holy Spirit. So this is a contrast between life and death. This is a contrast between fruitlessness. You can remember that back in verse 12, he called them waterless clouds or fruitless trees in late autumn. It's it. So what Jude is commending is a relationship with God that is through Through the Holy Spirit that leads to life. And if there's anything that's true this morning, the reason that you are in this building this morning is because on some level you think that there's life, right? We all want to have a vibrant, alive, meaningful relationship with the God of the universe. That's why we were created. And the vital link between that is experiencing the love of God through prayer that is fueled by the Holy Spirit. So... What we want to do this morning is ask God to help us to understand what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. And I think from the outset, it's it's important that we understand that this call to pray in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right. It doesn't happen in an ivory tower. It happens in a church that is really undergoing some of the most difficult circumstances in our lives. And I think the reason that that's important is because there's a few things that can happen when difficulty comes knocking at your door. Right. I mean, you can most of us, if we're honest, like when we go through difficulties, the, the first thing that we want to do 
is we want to put our heads down and we want to put our foot on the gas and we want to just get through this season. Well, what Jude is saying is that that God is actually at work in that kind of season. It's that kind of season that he uses to build up his people. So we can either put our heads down, right, and try to get through the season. But this is what's going to happen. Like, if you deny the reality of the difficulty that you're going through, two things can happen. You're going to have an emotional crash, right? I mean, you can make it for a, a while, but then inside, like, you're going to just slowly begin to die. So you can have an emotional crash. The other thing that you can do is just begin to fake it, right? And that's, that's what happens most of the time. We just pretend like everything's good on the outside, but inside we are an emotional wreck. So this idea of being built up in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not idealistic. It's for the places that you hurt. It's for the places that are difficult. It's for the places that are difficult for you to understand. That's what God wants to do through the book of Jude is to say that right in the midst of the difficulty, the pain that you didn't anticipate or plan for is the very place that I'm going to build you up. So that's what it means for us to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't always do this, but I think because um, this is somewhat removed from us, I looked at a few different translations and I think the amplified version gets at this really well. I think we have a slide Verse 20. But you, beloved, build yourselves up, and then in brackets, founded on your most holy faith, make progress. Rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. So the idea is that we are responding to God's initiative that we are responding to his call, that we are responding to his love. And as we pray, we are built up higher and higher, right? That there's this idea that that God is building something precisely at that point that we need him. So God is taking us on a journey that we did not intend to go to produce in us what we could not produce on our own. That's what God is doing. And I think for some of you here, I mean, I think there's the temptation to give up. And I think what God wants you to know this morning in the midst of your difficulty, in the midst of your pain, is that's where he's building something. That's where he causes beauty to be born out of the ashes of our lives. That's where he makes people that shine forth with the glory of Jesus Christ. Not only individuals, but churches, right? This is a corporate call to where churches display the glory of God. And that all happens as we respond at that point of pain and tension and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at that phrase. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? Now, I'll take you a little bit inside my sermon prep this week. Like, I... You know, study, pray for a while. Then I decide, you know, I'm going to ask the smart guys what they think. So I pull out a commentary. You would think like, you know, they at least have a good couple of pages on like what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. And uh, the, the commentator has a book like this thick. He has like four words on what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. He says it means everyday, ordinary Christian 
prayer. To which I said, thank you, Captain Obvious. How in the world am I going to preach a sermon on praying in the Holy Spirit with everyday, ordinary Christian prayer? And I began to think about it, though. There is a lot of baggage all of us bring to the table in in regards to prayer, right? There's a lot of disconnects in our own minds. There are things that we tend to believe, lies that we believe about God. There are lies that we believe about ourselves that keep us from praying in the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I think what God wants to do with us is to help unpack some of the lies that we may believe that would keep us from experiencing the power and the presence of God through praying in the Holy Spirit. So just that phrase, praying in the Holy Spirit. So if you can pray in the Holy Spirit, obviously there is a way to not pray in the Holy Spirit, right? Um, And you don't have to uh, think in these categories. But I mean, in the New Testament, there's two major categories of ways to live life. You can live life in the spirit or you can live life in the flesh, right? And the flesh is not just our humanity, but it's that part of us that's not submitted to God. So there's a way that we can pray that's in tune and in step with the Holy Spirit. And there's a way that we can pray that's just dependent on uh, our natural talents and abilities. What Jude is commending is that we would pray in step with the Spirit, that we would pray with the energy and the power of the Spirit, that the purpose of the Spirit would fuel our prayers. There's a dependence that's in this term that we depend on the Spirit to inform our prayers. Right. I mean, because the reality is like we don't even know how to pray. Right. I mean, most of us, if we're honest tomorrow, you open up your Bible, you're going to look at some words and they're going to be confusing. And we've got a couple of options at that moment. I mean, we can just, like I said, put our heads down and try to press through it. Or we can have this this idea of our hearts and a posture of our hearts where we're dependent on the spirit and we ask for help. Right. I mean, that's some of what Jude is getting at. So praying in the Holy Spirit over and against praying in the flesh. Now, you know, when this is happening, right? I mean, you know, when God is like speaking to you, you know, when God is at work, like in our church and you can experience him. That's called his manifest presence. That's what the spirit does. You know, when that's present, you also know when it's absent. Right. And that's why we want to be those kinds of people where we don't settle for a counterfeit, because that's what the people that were the intruders on grace, like in this local church, that's what they were doing. They were settling for a counterfeit. And what Jude is saying is, I want you to have the real deal. I want you to have the fullness of your inheritance, because that's what the spirit is. The spirit in itself is the first fruits of our inheritance with God. So the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The spirit brings us into the access of the presence of God. That's how it's manifest among us. That's how we know that we're alive. That's how we know that he's with us and among us. 
The other major thing that the Spirit does in our prayers is shine a spotlight on Jesus. The major reason that the Spirit was given is to bear witness about who Jesus is. So that's why it's, it's in this verse, like it's telling us how we keep ourselves in the love of God, is by building ourselves up in our most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. God's design for us is to be able to pray, to be able to experience his nearness and to experience the love of God for us in and through Jesus Christ, to keep us in the love of God. I used this quote a few weeks ago, but it's been so helpful to me. Scotty Smith says this. He says, prayer is not where we claim the promises of God, but where the promises of God claim us. See, sometimes we can think that our prayers are somehow about overcoming some reluctance in God. What Jude is saying is, no, this is a way that you can be built up and taken into the love of God. That one of the major reasons that you pray is so that you come into that relationship that Jesus Christ died to bring you. Right. So I want you to pray in accordance with that. Like. We vastly underestimate God's desire to meet with his children. He is passionate about having a relationship with us. He moved heaven and earth. He stepped into time out of eternity to pursue a relationship with you and with I. He's passionate that we would know and experience his love. And most of the time, like we relegate prayer to this, either this to do list that we have for the day or a a laundry list of needs. Now, he cares about all of those things. But one of the primary things that the spirit is given to us for is to have intimacy with God. It is the highest privilege of the gospel that we get to call God our Father. Romans 8.15 says this. It shines some light on this. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the reason that the Spirit is given to us is to remind us that we belong to God. That God Himself is our Father. See, in the New Testament, what's different about everyday, ordinary Christian prayer that's different from what was going on in the New Testament... What was going on in the New Testament where guys, I mean, I mean, you've maybe seen this at, at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Guys have phylacteries. They look like spelunking equipment and they're just rocking back and forth as fast as they can. Vain repetition, saying the same things over and over, just hoping that they can bend God's ear towards them. What Romans 8.15 says in Jude verse 20 is that we have the ear of God. That God is attentive to our Christ. That He is listening to us. And this is one of, this is one of the biggest hindrances to prayer that I've come across um, in my pastoral ministry. Like, people are always concerned about the form. Like, am I saying this right? Right? And I believe like this morning as I was praying, like what God wants to say to you this morning is he has uniquely crafted you to be you. 
right? You come to Him as you are. He's given you a voice. He's given you desires. He's given you dreams. And you don't have to sound like anybody else to connect with Him. There's no form to this. He's your Father. You can come to Him as you are, right? He loves to hear from His children. I mean, I can use this as an example. I mean, I have communion with my five-year-old, and he tells me about the Power Rangers. And he comes, he came this morning, like I was getting ready, praying for this morning. He sat in my lap and just started talking about the, prayer, uh, the Power Rangers, right? So I have a relationship with him, and it's real, and it's authentic. And I have, a, I have a relationship with my daughter who's 13, right? And we're talking about different kinds of things. We're talking about, you know, her maybe being a missionary one day. And both of those things equally bring me joy because I am their father. So your relationship with God is going to sound like one thing in one season of your life. And it's going to sound like another thing in another season. But all of those things are pleasing to your father. We don't have the spirit of slavery where we have to approach God with vain repetition or form. We can draw near to him because he's our father and he loves to hear from his children. God loves to hear the prayers of his people. He loves for us to ask. This is another example. He knows what we need before we ask. But Saturdays, like at my house, like... That's the party day. Like, that's the day that dad is off. So it's usually a slow moving day. Like, we take things a little bit slower. We have breakfast together. Uh, And last Saturday in particular was the kids' favorite. Like, mom was out for the day. And so, like, I'm kind of a pushover, and they know that. And so this this thing happens. Like, we do breakfast, and um, my kids' favorite thing is snack time. So... The first snack time usually is probably about 30 minutes after breakfast is over. And usually, like, my six-year-old Zoe is the first one to kind of test the waters to see if it could be snack time already. And so she comes up about 30 minutes after breakfast. She's like, hey, Dad, can I have a snack? I knew. I, she asked every day. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. She's like, and then this is like the real question where she's waiting in a little more. Like, what kind of snack can I have? I said, you can have anything you want. Right? So, and our pantry is stocked. So we have lots of things in there. She's like, her face lights up. We can have anything we want? So she, like, the word spreads, right? So I have five kids. Dad said, we can have anything we want. So one by one, they're all coming in there. Just want to make sure there's no exceptions. Did you really say we could have anything I want? So I said, yes, you can have anything you want. But you know what? I knew I was, what I was going to give them before they asked. I knew I was going to give them what they wanted. But I loved watching their faces light up when they asked. God just wants, I think, to remind us just of the fact that he is our father and he delights in our asking. He delights in us coming to him as little children. That's what Jesus did in the New Testament. I mean, children weren't especially valued in the New Testament, but I mean, he was always laughing and playing with children. He said, let the children come to me. And he said, that's what your relationship with God's supposed to be like, right? There's just this access that we have to God. There's this freedom, right? 
That's what God, that's what praying in the spirit means is recognizing God is our father. But. I say that. But for some people. For most people. We know those things already. Like we know that we have access to God. We know that we can approach him. But over time. We probably have prayed and the prayer that we prayed didn't get answered. The prayer that we prayed didn't get answered in the way that we wanted it to get answered. So what happens? We grow cold. We grow jaded. We grow cynical. We begin to blame God. We begin to question God, we begin to give God access to less and less of our hearts and less and less of our lives. Cynicism takes root. And in my generation, I mean, cynicism is the air that we breathe. To be cynical is to be human, right? I mean, if you're my age or younger, I mean, you have had full access to the brokenness and the depravity of the world. I mean, I have watched my own parents' marriage fall apart. I have seen brokenness in the lives of other people. I've seen political scandals. I've seen scandals inside the church. And all of those things give us this idea that if I were God, I don't think I would do it that way. If I were God, I don't think I would treat my children that way. So cynicism begins to take root into our hearts. And then Paul Miller in his book, Praying Life, says this. He says, cynicism kills intimacy. Cynicism kills intimacy. So if your heart is closed off to the love of God, The invitation this morning is that you would take all of your questions, all of your fears, all of your doubts, all of your concerns, and you would square them with the cross of Jesus Christ. So cynicism kills intimacy, but the cross kills cynicism. Because God did not withhold His own Son, but He gave Him up for us all so that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is for us. That even though we don't understand everything that's going on in our lives and we don't understand everything that's going on in the world, we can find that one spot and our hearts be open to the love of God and realize that His plan is different than our plan, that He does things different than we do them, that His ways are higher than our ways, but we can see that the God that didn't withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all in that we can approach him with confidence. Right. And we can trust him because he is trustworthy. Romans eight twenty six and 27, if you could put that on the screen. This is how the spirit works. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness and we are weak. For we do not know how to pray as we ought But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints 
according to the will of God. So one of the primary purposes of the Spirit is when you can't say a word, the Spirit says a word on your behalf. But I want you to understand this. There is no such thing as purposeless pain for the Christian. God does not waste our pain. He is not indifferent to our pain. And what you can put Romans 8 back up. The spirit groans in the midst of our pain. Sometimes we miss the fact that even though God knows how he's going to work our pain for our good, he knows how he is going to deliver us. He knows how he is going to heal us, yet he still groans inside of us when we hurt. Right. And most of us, we've gone through enough in our lives that we think God must be against us, that somehow God is out to get us. And what this says is, know that God is right inside of you groaning in the midst of your pain. I mean, we see this in the New Testament. That's like Jesus when he comes to the tomb in John chapter 11, Lazarus, his friend. And he's crying his eyes out like he knows he's going to rise him from the dead in just a few moments. But he's crying at the reality of what Mary and Martha are going through. He's crying at the reality of death. He's crying at the fact that that's his friend. Right. All of those things are going on in his heart because that's to give us a picture of what God is like. And so if you're here this morning, please allow God to grown inside of you. Allow him to identify with your pain. God is present here not only to identify with your pain, but it teaches us to pray as we don't know how to pray. Because there are going to be times in your life when you don't have the words. God is going to speak on your behalf. Tim Keller says this. He says, we can be sure That our prayers are answered in precisely the way that we would want them answered if we knew everything that God knows. The difference is we don't. We don't know everything that God knows. And only time and eternity will reveal the purposes of God in the midst of our pain. But God is trustworthy. God, in the midst of praying in the Holy Spirit, is to bring us into the love of God, the Father. I just want to say just a couple of practical words of help. Like, how do we do this? I think our lives are to be characterized probably primarily by two kinds of prayers. One is just the scheduled kind of prayer. Like, we will probably never pray if we don't set aside time to pray. And that's not being legalistic. That's not being, um, you know, overly dramatic. But, like, most of the time that we don't pray, it's because we don't have a plan to pray. So, you have to have, like, a time and a place and an appointment. I mean, Tim Keller has a new book on prayer, and I would encourage you to get it. Um, And he he and his wife, they, they said it like this. They said... Imagine that there was a pill that if you did not take it every day that you would die. Right. He said, that's what prayer is. Right. We don't notice the effects right away, but 
apart from prayer, our souls shrink. They begin to wither. The life and the, the desire, everything that you want, the rest, the peace, the joy, all of it is tied to this idea of prayer. So you have to have scheduled times of prayer. And then Ryan did a great job a few weeks back. There's also just this idea of spontaneous prayers, like where you transition from time to time, where you take time to acknowledge that you don't have all the strength that you need. You don't have all the gifts. You don't have all the wisdom to make it throughout your day. You don't have the ability to produce fruit in your life. You don't have the ability to do all the things that God's called you to do. So it takes both of those kinds of things. So I think what ultimately what Jude is commending here is just an attitude of humility and dependence on God. Right. There is nowhere that we experience more self-sufficiency probably than in the area of prayer. And it's to our detriment because it keeps us from experiencing the love of God. So that's individually how we respond. And then as a church, I mean. The way that God builds a church that endures, the way that God builds a church that perseveres till the end is by a church that builds itself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. So I think there's room for us to grow in praying together. There's room for us to grow in our gospel communities, right? There's nothing more intimate than praying together, right? There's nothing that builds relationships more because you're exposing like what's going on in your heart and your relationship to God to other people. But there's something about that that's strengthening among the people of God. There's something that stirs faith in the heart of the people of God as you begin to hear the prayers and the hopes and the dreams of other people. And you see that God has done some similar things in your heart, right? So we want to ask God to help us to grow to be a a praying people. This is not like an optional extra for the people of God. But I mean, I wonder, like, really, like how many churches have you been in your life where that was at the center? Like where that was a non-negotiable, foundational building block of life and ministry in the local church. Right. I think a lot of our fruitlessness is tied to this idea because we starve ourselves off from the love of God personally. So we have nothing to give the world. But what Jude is commending is a kind of prayer that brings the whole church into the love of God. So may God help us to grow in just this reality of experiencing the love of God through prayer together. May God continue to knit our hearts together. But as we um, close this morning, I want us to. um, I want us to begin to process this. Together, So um, we're going to celebrate um, communion. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to have the band come and join us. Um, I think it would um, honor the Lord since we're talking about praying in the Holy Spirit for us just to take a few minutes to do this. Um, I think if you are able, if you would stand, join in groups of four or five together, the band's going to play in the background. Um, And just 
if you're not comfortable or this is kind of one of your first times in church and you're not comfortable with praying, I understand that. But you realize that this is the way that, that God has designed for us to function as a community. And I want us to just pray two simple things um, that God would strengthen us and that God would make us alive to his love. OK, we're going to do that. We're just going to spend like three minutes together in a group just trying this out, just being authentic before the Lord, asking him to ha- allow us to come alive to his love. And then I'm going to lead us in a time of communion. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to allow you to pray. Father, I pray that just as we take the simple act of faith, praying together, that you would knit our hearts together. I pray that you would allow us to come alive to who you are. Um, I pray that you would use these prayers to produce real life and real healing. I pray that these prayers would help us to know more and encounter more uh, about Jesus. I pray that you would strengthen your people as we gather together.